Love lifted me, love lifted me, when nothing else could help. Love lifted me, love lifted me, love lifted me, when nothing else could help. Dave, continuing chronologically through the Bible, Solomon did not include this part in his book. It was compiled by the men of King Hezekiah. They did, in my opinion, a little different. I'm not going to say better, but they, they grouped them together in a way that's a little easier for me to understand. That being said, what Solomon put was not out of order. He was wise enough to put them in the order they were. But in this section that was compiled by Hezekiah of Proverbs written by Solomon, not, not included by Solomon, they did a little better job of grouping them together. This morning, all of them are very, very similar. Proverbs 26, beginning with verse number 6. Proverbs 26, beginning with verse number 6. He that sendeth a message by the hand of a fool cutteth off the feet and drinketh damage. He that sendeth a message by the hand of a fool cutteth off the feet and drinketh damage. Why? The message won't get there. There is a very commonly played game called the gossip game. Uh, I don't know if, you, if, if, if any of you have not ever played the gossip game. All of you have played the gossip game. So you all know what I'm talking about, okay? The message here is never going to be the message here. Never. It just doesn't work. It don't matter how many people you got, the message is always going to be different. Why? We're sending the message by the hand of the fool. The message won't get there. What does get there causes difficulty. And you'd be surprised how those gossip games actually create a real problem. Because someone as it travels, adds a little bit of what they perceive as the truth to it. And that's beginning to turn it. And then next thing you know, oh man, I know who they're talking about. Like the seven sons of Sceva. The seven sons of Sceva. They were sorcerers, which meant by definition they cast out evil spirits. They were someone who had some level of power. When they changed their method of operating to including the name of Jesus, by the way, they did that just for, for, accuracy, for, for ac effect. They, did, they, they, they wanted to add Jesus to make sure that if this demon wouldn't go up by this, he'd go by this. Okay, they, they did it with, in my opinion, good intentions. The demon said, Jesus I know and Paul I know. Now, they didn't mention Paul. They just knew that Paul was very effective. Well, but who are you? Let's suppose that you are living in the area and you see these guys working quasi-miracles, not as good as Jesus, not as good as Paul, but you know, they got some power. And they're accomplishing some good. And so you decided, you know what, I'm going to just 
watch them from a distance to see what they do and maybe learn a little bit from them. And then suddenly what they do doesn't work anymore. I don't know which point I'm not taking your word for it. Anyway. It says, uh, we adjure you by Jesus whom Paul preacheth. Okay, that's fine. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> you said they didn't mention. They did. They okay. didn't mention Paul. Okay. <laughs> good. Accuracy is good. Accuracy is good. I have no idea what I was talking about. What was I talking about? <laughs> I don't know. I'll figure it out. Seven Sons of Sceva, whatever it was, it was ineffective. It was a little bit of good, a whole lot of bad. It just did not work. Drinketh damage. They drank damage. When we communicate truth, if it's not complete or if it's not completely accurate, it can be damaging is what Solomon is saying here. Ecclesiastes will be difficult to study and I warn you now I warn you now Ecclesiastes is going to be painful it's going to be difficult to study because Solomon will be foolish when he writes it it's going to be hard I've seen Ecclesiastes taught from several different directions preachers trying to make some kind of sense of it because there's so much of it that is true but we don't know what angle Solomon's writing it from. And then there's other parts of it that's absolutely not true. I mean, you have, it's, it's clearly opposing other scripture and to, to figure all that out. But it's because Solomon is the fool that's transmitting the message. So why did God put it in our Bibles? Why would God put a book that's clearly difficult to study in our Bibles? to teach us not to do what Solomon does. I'm convinced that's the reason it's there. To teach us not to do what Solomon does. Ironically, he wrote, but did not include this next proverb. Proverbs 25, 13, as the cold of snow in the time of harvest, so is a faithful messenger, which is the antithesis of Proverbs 26, 6. To them that sent him, for he refresheth the soul of his masters. Why would Solomon include 2513? They didn't include it. They didn't include the one of them. I don't know. I, I can't. It's, it's spinning my head now. It's, wait till Ecclesiastes. It's going to be even more. Okay? Solomon included the positive but not the negative. I believe the reason he didn't include the negatives because of what's going to happen in Ecclesiastes. I believe we're in a transitional period for Solomon. He is beginning to drift spiritually. Seven, the legs of the lame are not equal, so is a parable in the mouths of fools. The legs of the lame are not equal, so is a parable in the mouth of fools. This would be wonderful if Dad was here this morning, because watching him walk, it's clear that there's something going on with his legs. By the way, uh, when they get back, they're going to start therapy on his legs. I, I'm hoping that that's going to be beneficial to him, but his legs are not equal. They just... they. They, they don't perform the task the way they were intended to do. Very similar to verse number six, the fool makes the truth awkward. The fool makes the truth awkward in this way. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Listen very carefully. If scripture doesn't always work, we're misunderstanding it. 
If Scripture doesn't always work, we're misunderstanding it. When we hear something from anybody who cares, I don't, pastor, preacher, internet, whatever, somebody saying something, and they're quoting the Bible to say it, or they're referring to the Bible, but it doesn't always work, don't listen. Just don't. Even if it works some of the time. Well, usually that works. Which is typically how Proverbs is, by the way. But they're using the rest of the Bible. Usually it works. Don't listen. Just, just ignore it. No matter who the messenger is, it's, if it's, un, it's not equal, it's awkward, study it for yourself. Find out if they have a clue what they're really talking about. The problem is that he, which is this, the fool that's speaking, the person speaking looks for ways to use Scripture to make life easy. If this is the goal, it's the wrong goal. If someone is using Scripture to make my life easier, they're doing the wrong thing. What should he be doing? He should be using it to guide our decisions, even if it hurts our life. Scripture should guide our decisions even if it hurts our life. This is crucial in times of uncertainty because everyone around me sins. Everyone. We are warned over and over and over not to get hung up on one particular person's teachings. Never. Just don't do it. This is what made Muhammad so dangerous. Because whatever he says, they just believe. Believe. Never, ever, ever believe just one person's teachings. That's why there's 40 different authors in the Bible that all agree over a period of 1,500 years. Never get stuck on one person's teachings. Even Jesus himself. Do you know why? Because there's going to arise false Christs. So how do you know that this Jesus is the real Jesus? Never, ever do something because brother so-and-so said so. Just That's not good enough for anybody anytime. Everyone around me sins. Which means that at some point they're going to say something that's wrong. And I might not even recognize it because I'm so overwhelmed by who they are. I'm impressed by who they are. And so, well, he said it must be okay. This, by the way, is why I dislike, I'm not saying they're wrong, but I dislike study Bibles. Because study Bibles typically are all from one person's perspective. And because he's a sinner, he's going to be wrong in there somewhere. He's just got to. Okay. When there's a collaboration of writers, even that might be skewed. But be careful about following any one person and what they say. Everyone around me sins. Ecclesiastes is going to be challenging because of it. Solomon will be sinning a lot in Ecclesiastes. And we're going to have to figure out what part is from God, what part's not from God. What part should we do and what part should we not do? Proverbs is easy because clearly it's from God. It's clearly wisdom. Clearly we're supposed to do what it says. Ecclesiastes is not going to be that way at all. Seeing the difference requires use of something. Seeing the difference requires use of the light of Jesus. Wonderful message Wednesday. Seeing the difference requires use of the light of Jesus. Scripture, over and over and over, man, it was good. Uh, talked about the light, the light. The, what's the point of having light if we're not going to use it? 
But he's the pastor. So, but he's the Pope. Believe it or not, there are people that will, no matter what the Pope says. By the way, the easiest way to trip up the Pope is to compare what he said to the previous Pope. Okay, they, they argue with each other all the time. I mean, they're all, not literally because they, they live until they die and then so on and so forth. But you take this Pope's writings and match it against this Pope's writings and match it against, they, they're totally different depending on what the sinner wanted at that time for his organization called the Catholic Church. Don't follow anyone. Use the light of Jesus. Amen. Take Scripture and find it. Find what the topic is and find what we're supposed to do. Let it change our actions, not what we feel, not what somebody says. Let's go. Eight, he that bindeth a stone in a sling so it can't be released. Okay? Imagine David and Goliath. David ties the stone to the sling so that when he slings it, it stays in the sling. He secures it in the sling. As he that bindeth the stone in a sling is he that giveth honor to a fool. This is so, so important for what he's talking about in this section. It's a waste of time to give honor to someone who does this. The fool doesn't get any wiser, and those watching actually get more foolish because the fool is validated. Giving honor to a fool validates the fool, encourages the fool, and it dumbs us down. Dangerous. Nine. As a thorn go up up in the hand of a drunkard, he picks up a thorn bush to use as a weapon. That's what that's talking about, okay? The only way to, to get grasp that is actually go back to the way it's originally worded. But as a thorn go up in the hand of a drunkard, well, when does that happen? Okay? Always when he's trying to use it as a weapon. So is a parable in the mouth of fools. He accomplishes very little. He swinged a thorn bush as a weapon in the same way that some people use the Bible to attack other people. They accomplish very little and they hurt themselves in the process. How do they hurt themselves? Because it, it doesn't take just a little bit. You say, well, you didn't do that. Well, um, but, but what about this over here? And when you start examining it, the whole thing just falls apart because it's a weapon of a thorn bush. There's no power to it. The internet is full of these people. Parable in the mouth of fools. Parable in the mouth of fools in verse number 7. Uh, Thorn goeth in the hand of a drunkard. Legs and labor not equal in verse number 7. Binding a stone in a sling. Same thought. All three of these verses are basically saying the same thing. He that giveth honor to a fool. How can we tell the difference? You may not like what I'm going to say. You, you love Christian movies. you got a bunch of them. Some, yeah. okay? I watched two Christian movies, contemporary movies, that are, that are made recently. I'm not going to tell you what they are because I don't want to skew your opinion of it, but the one thing that I was very aware of as the movie went on, what they're saying sounds good but it's not scriptural. Mm -hmm. What they're saying sounds good, 
but it doesn't know about this verse over here. And by the time I was done with the two movies, I thought, I don't know if I would show them to somebody else or not. I might show them to someone who has no experience with the Bible. I might do that just as an introduction to Christianity. But someone who regularly goes to church, I would recommend they watch them, even though they're good Christian movies, even though they have good points. It just doesn't line up. He that giveth honor to a fool. How do we tell the difference? Ask for specific verses. And those movies didn't do it. Didn't try. A couple of places you could tell they were paraphrasing, but they were, didn't try to tell you they were paraphrasing. They were basically saying that what we're saying is trustworthy because we're Christians. Dangerous, very dangerous position to follow someone, give them credit, when what they're saying doesn't jive with Scripture. Ten. The great God that formed all things both rewardeth the fool, which we've been talking about in the last several, several verses, and transgressors. The actual Hebrew, you're going to love this one. Actual Hebrew says much. That word is fool. That word is wages. And that word is remove. Okay, much, skip the second word now. Much wages, fool wages, remove. Now, it hurts to pay a fool who wastes what he was paid is how I take those Hebrew words. It hurts to pay a fool who wastes what he has paid. If someone does a job for me and I know they're going to take the money and they're going to drink it, drink all the money, it's going to hurt to pay them because that's my money that's paying for the alcohol. Should I not pay them? No, I've got an agreement for them to work. But it still hurts to pay a fool who wastes what they are given. I'm not sure how the King James translators got God that formed all things out of pain. Okay, King James translators, all Bible translators, smarter than me. Okay, I don't know how they came up with God that formed all things out of pain. But putting the last five verses together, all of them together, gives the impression that it hurts God when he sees what we do with what he gives, especially how his word is misused. I think that's very clear in the last several verses. It hurts God when he sees what we do with what he gives, especially when it comes to his word. Should we then just be quiet? No, we shouldn't be quiet. We're here to share God's word. Says in the Bible, I love my favorite. Says in the Bible, I like to ask, where? Where in the Bible? Can you show it to me? You know what? They never can. You know why they say it says in the Bible? Because they don't know where. And almost always, when I take it to the end, we find out it's not there at all. Not there at all. I do my best to help them. Like, for instance, if they say, spare the rod and spoil the child, okay? I will help them get to where it says, he that spares the rod hates his son. I will do everything I can to get it. But there's some verses, it's, just, it's not there. But it says in the Bible, if they can't figure out where, give them some time. Okay? They don't have to do it on the spot. If you ask me right now, where is anything, I wouldn't be able to tell you. On the spot, I, numbers just disappear from my head. But give me a little bit, I'll find it for you. Give, give them a chance. If they can't figure it out, it's almost guaranteed they're inaccurate. 
almost guaranteed. Why in the world does it matter? If we're hooked on one person, it'll lead us completely astray, and we won't have a clue that it's happening. It's, if it's important enough to say, folks, take time to find it and quote it right. I want to encourage us as people who value the Word of God. Volunteer. This is what I think it says, but I'll get back with you and tell you exactly what it does say. I, if it's valuable enough to say, it's valuable enough to say accurately. Verse 11. As the dog returneth to his vomit, so a fool returneth to his falling. It's disgusting, but a dog that vomits returns to eat it again. Now, I don't know if y'all want to see the next picture or not. That's all right, it's not, not a picture. Like drinking, smoking, our personal issue, which we all have one. We all have a sin that easily trips us up. The fool didn't benefit from the action before. But he goes back over and over and over. I wrote this three weeks ago, and temptation in my life has been very, very strong in the past three weeks. And I kept thinking the devil is trying to make that ineffective. The devil is trying to get me in a position to where I'm doing what I'm telling other people not to do. There are things... In my life, there are things in your life that we do out of habit. We do because we think we have to. We do because we think I'll never get rid of it. And we just give in. It's foolish to do that. This is a perfect illustration of addiction to any sin. Second Peter 2 says this, For it had been better for them, false teachers, not to have known the way of righteousness than after they had known it, to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. Just disobeying this one verse. They're not turning from the whole thing. They're turning from this one section. But it happened unto them according to the true proverb, the dog is turned to his own vomit again. Quoted. Proverbs 23, 25. They have stricken me, shalt thou say. I was not sick. They have beaten me. I felt it not. When shall I awake? I will seek it yet again. Exactly the same concept. It's ignorant. It's absolutely ignorant. But the temptation is still there. There is something about our minds, and it's got to do with the sin nature. It just has to. But we keep going back. If what I'm doing is not working, why keep doing it? In my case, over the past three weeks, it's because the temptation will let me relax. I don't have to think all this stuff through all the time. I don't have to fight. The last three weeks have been a constant mental fight. Why would I do it? Because when I'm doing that, things feel good. The other day, I was with my daughter, and we went to eat at a restaurant that happens to sell the best hamburgers in the world in my opinion. 
I've been doing good. I've been dealing with these three weeks of this stuff. It's like one hamburger is not going to hurt. It's just not going to hurt. And in my, she had no idea this is going. But in my head, I'm arguing with myself. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. I'm not going to tell you if I did or not. With the sin that so easily besets us, we will win some, we will lose some. Always. That's why it's so effective in us. Not needing it. And this I thought about a lot. Not needing it is better than having it. Not needing it is better than having it. You say, well, that doesn't help me. I need it. Let's, let's look at that for a few minutes. Because again, a bit hard dealing with Something that most people say is no big deal. But for me, it's a big deal. Why do I need that hamburger? I don't. But I think I do. I think I do. It's right there. I've got the money. It's not going to really, one's not going to hurt me. Why do I need it? There are people in that room, in that restaurant, who need alcohol. That's why they're there. They need alcohol. I don't need alcohol. And I submit to you, not needing it is better than what they get. Not needing it is better than what they have. And so I'm thankful I don't need that. There's no temptation there. I can totally ignore it. But I do think I need this hamburger. This hamburger will give me just a little bit of peace. There's people in that room, not so many now, but there's still some, and it blows my mind, but there's people in the room that they're dying for a cigarette, and every now and then you'll get somebody up and go outside, and then they'll come back in, and five minutes later, it's like, yeah, they needed a cigarette. Not needing it is better than getting the cigarette. How do I not need it? How can I not need that hamburger? Every Christian asks this question. Everyone. Because every one of us has a sin that easily besets us. If we don't do what we're supposed to do, occasionally we will give in. I submit to you this. If we will do what we're supposed to do, we'll never give in. But you're talking about work all the time because the devil's going to fight hard. He's going to fight really, really hard. At the very least, he wants us to feel bad about ourselves. How do we escape it? We've already talked about this. We talked about it, I think, two months ago. So what you're going to hear is exactly the same. It's the same slides. All I did was switch the verse that was on the slide to Proverbs 26.11. Exactly what I taught before. So Bonnie, for you, same notes. You can probably find it in your notes. You can tell me what's going to come next. The same way we escape any sin. Hebrews 12. That is our answer for habitual sin. Verse number 1. Seeing there, wherefore seeing, we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us. This is where it talks about it. This is where it talks about how we're coming it. Let us run with patience the race that is set before us. First of all, we've got to decide to try we got to decide to try. 
I'm going to run. I'm not going to sit here. But so often, all we can think about is the hamburger. It's like, why would I want to run? Why would I want to work? When this little thing that by itself is really not that bad will make me feel good for a little bit. We have to decide to try. If we don't decide to try, we will fail regularly. That's all there is to it. It's too strong. He starts in verse 1 with that because that's what we have to start with. Looking unto Jesus. Start with Jesus. Start with Jesus. Without the light of Jesus. Man, it was good. Without the light of Jesus, it's me fighting a spirit. And evil spirits are stronger than me. That's all there is to it. They are better at tempting me. They are better at finding me when I'm weak. I've got to have help. I've got to have the light of Jesus. The author and finisher of our faith, he's going to get me there. He's going to finish it. We're going to win. We don't have to be defeated right in the middle of it. Constantly. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Be honest with him. He will not be surprised. When I go to Jesus and say, Jesus, I want that hamburger so bad. He says, I know. I know. I don't hear his voice. Scripture has to work all the time. If it never, never works at all, I've got to change what I believe. <clears throat> Scripture has to work all the time. I'm convinced that he communicates with me. Using Scripture, using the leadership of the Holy Spirit, using serpents. I'm convinced of it. Be honest with him because he knows how hard the struggle is. He promised to help us. But so often, in temptation, we look to see if he's looking. We don't want him to know nothing about it. Without his help, not going to happen. Good fail. Start with Jesus. Keep trying. It's difficult for everyone. Ye have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. Folks, it's supposed to be hard. Have ye forgotten the exhortation or the encouragement which speaketh unto you as unto children? Get into God's Word. That is the most effective way to get help against our sin that easily besets us. Jesus will use the Word almost every single time. The times that He does it is because I haven't studied enough. But I find regularly the parts that I've recently studied comes back up, almost like this here uh, over the past three weeks. It just comes back up. God uses it. The devil, everybody uses it. Get into God's Word. Why do we say this so much? Because there are so many Christians who are just like I was and never read it. Never. I could answer any question that could be asked me because I've been in church my whole life but to actually read the Bible to find out what God is saying to me couldn't do it and nobody knew it nobody knew it 
So this is easy to cover up. Get into God's word. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. It's supposed to be difficult. Why doesn't God just... I love using check on this because I'm so jealous of you. Okay, To be able to take cigarettes and put them down all at once, that, that's not how it works. I'm jealous of you. I'm jealous of you. Okay? Most of us have to fight the rest of our lives. It's supposed to be difficult. It warns us and others not to go there. That's the point. The more I talk about my struggle with food, the better it is for those who hear what I talk about because they know they've got a struggle too. And they say, you know what? I'm going to try that thing. Maybe it'll work for them. Maybe it won't. But at least they'll know there's something they can try. Seven, if you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? Jesus will help. Unless I'm hiding from him and he's way back there or way over there and I don't want him involved. He can't help them. He's not going to push his way in. He's going to say, you know what? Go ahead. We'll do some chastening and we'll work on this again. Very, very patient. Watch for Jesus to help. That is encouraging when he does. Write it down when he does. I've got a long list that I keep for when I get discouraged. It's like, man, all this stuff's happening and nothing's getting any better. I go back to my list and say, that's how I felt then. That's how I felt then. That's it. I never, ever finish the list. Never. Why? Because I get encouraged as I go through and say, well, God fixed that, and God fixed that, and God fixed that. What I'm doing now is near as hard as those things were. Write it down when Jesus helps, and then go to it when you feel like he's nowhere around. Eight, if ye be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then ye are bastards and not sons. Check our salvation. Difficulty does not mean we're not saved. But the devil will use it to say that we're not saved. If you're really saved, you wouldn't have this problem. I submit to you, the reason you have this problem is because you're saved. The reason, okay? God chastises all of his children, all of them. How do I check my salvation? How do I know? Well, uh, I, I did such and such then, okay? Salvation is about what we do, okay? The most commonly answer, the most common answer to this question, how do I know I'm saved? Well, I said the sinner's prayer. There's going to be people lined up at the gate of heaven thinking they're going to get in. Using that as an illustration, God's going to say, well, what's that? Well, the preacher up there said, I was saved. I know a preacher that gives out spiritual birth certificates because they said the sinner's prayer. You're talking about a ticket to hell. That's a ticket to hell. He talks them into saying these words, and now they're saved forever dangerous. This is why the other denominations hate eternal security because there's so many people that were never saved in the first place never said, well, you were saved, you're always going to be saved. So they don't even look. They don't even try. What am I trusting in? Chair illustration. I keep going back to that for myself. I've got to get in the chair and take my feet off the floor. If the chair don't do it, I'm not getting in. If Jesus is not enough to get me into heaven, I'm not getting in. That's how we check our salvation. 
If there's anything other than that, go to Jesus and say, Jesus, I need to get this straight. I need to understand it. Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live? For they verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure. I respect my dad. I don't worry about him giving me a spanking. I used to. There was a couple times he gave me spankings when he shouldn't have, but there was a whole lot of times he should have and he didn't. I still respect him. If I'm going to respect someone who cares about me that makes mistakes, should I not care about someone who cares about me who doesn't make mistakes? But he for our profit, always effective, that we might be partakers of his holiness. Holy doesn't mean sinless. It can't mean sinless. It has to be reserved for God. And that's what he wants. If I'm reserved for God, he can use me. He knows what steps it will take for us to succeed. And he has no problem telling us the next one. Almost never will he tell us the next ten. He'll tell us the next one. Do this. I'm sitting at the table with my daughter in this fight in my head. And I'm thinking, this is so childish. Why am I like this? I'm telling you, he showed me what to do. I'm not going to tell you what it was, but he showed me in that moment what to do. It wasn't magical. It wasn't, oh, it wasn't none of that. But it was clear, this is what I need to do. Eleven. Now, no chastening from the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. Again, it's supposed to be difficult. It warns us and others not to go there. Wherefore, lift up the hands which hang down and the feeble knees. Stop giving in. Stop being discouraged. Stop saying, I've never made it before. I'm not going to make it now. Try. Try again. Make straight paths for your feet. Try again, again, and again. Keep going. Never, ever, ever stop trying. Lest that which is, lest that which is laid be turned out of the way or become totally useless. Let a rabbit be healed, folks. He knows the steps it will take for us to succeed, but healing is slow. It's supposed to be. Father, thank you so much for your word. Without your word, we'd be lost. Because there's so many people talking so many different things, we wouldn't know who to follow. And then it wouldn't take long to figure out they're not as smart as I thought they were. Please draw us into your word. Please help, it, help us see it as a guide to follow, not something to make our lives easier. There's so many people misusing your word and they're being rewarded for it. Help us as individuals to forget everybody, everything. Help us to see you as one-on-one -on -one with us. Help us to talk to you as one-on-one -on -one with us. Help us to look at your word as one-on-one -on -one with us. Thank you for the help that you promised to give. We need it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. amen.